Hi, everyone. You might be thinking, ah, church is a little different today. You're right. We're actually going to end with worship today. And uh, a little bit slower, a little bit more connected, a little bit more heartfelt. Um, and we're going to do that for the next several weeks, okay, till the end of November. And then December, we'll get back to normal, okay, whatever normal is. Um, I do want to encourage you to bring somebody from now to the end of the year. I, I believe that God is shifting the atmosphere right now in our nation. And I'm not talking about political stuff. I, I don't care anything about that. But I believe that there is a churning of the tide. Amen. Come on, somebody. I believe something's happening right now supernaturally. Come on, I'm prophesying right now. I believe something's happening supernaturally right now in the heavens where we're going to begin to see God move in a very powerful, powerful way. In ways that we've never seen God move before. And I believe that we're about, in, we're about ready to enter into the greatest harvest that we've ever seen. That the church has ever seen. With that will come resistance. Like in the New Testament. But your Bible says that with that resistance and with that persecution, the church grew daily. They didn't have some great marketing scheme. They didn't have some promotional material. No, it was done by the apostles' teachings by the power of God moving and signs, wonders, and miracles, and by the meeting of the saints together all the time. And let me tell you, we're about ready to see that happen again, come back to its purity, the kingdom of God back into its purity, and we're going to see God move in a very powerful way. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for it. So here's what I want you to do in, in, in preparation for that. Number one, it's really important that we learn to give God thanksgiving. Don't make God a turkey. Here's a tricky leg, Lord. Okay. I'm talking about being thankful in your heart. We got to start turning negativity into positivity. We have to start turning to see what God is doing and start declaring what he's already doing in our midst. Amen? Look, look, listen to me. I'm already preaching and I don't want to get there, but I'm going to get there. Because I do have a joke I want to tell you. <clears throat> if we don't start doing this, okay, if the church of Jesus Christ, the, king of, the, the, the pure and spotless bride of the king, if we don't begin to declare what he's doing in our midst and the goodness of God and what he's doing and what he's about, we're gonna miss God in this whole mess, okay? Yeah, the world is whatever. The world's gonna be the world, okay? But we don't live by the standard of the world, amen? We live by the kingdom standard, Right, And we have to declare his goodness. So can we just take about 15 seconds right now and just lift him up and just thank him right now? Come on, let's just thank him right now. With your voices lifted high. Come on, just thank him right now. Thank him for what he's done. Thank him for who he is. Come on, thank him. Thank him for salvation. Father, we just bless you right now. Come on, 10 more seconds. Come on, 10 more seconds. Come on, just thank him right now. Thank him right now. Turn your eyes to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. You are so good. God is in a good mood. I declare this morning that God is in a good mood. Say that with me. God is in a good mood. Say it one more time. God is in a good mood. One more time like you mean it. God is in a good mood. Hey! <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Several men are in the locker room of a golf club. A cell phone on a bench rings and a man engages the hands-free speaker function and begins to talk. Everyone in the room stops to listen. Man says, hello? A woman says, honey, it's me. Are you at the club? Yeah. Well, I'm at the mall now, and I found this beautiful leather coat. It's only $2,000. Is it okay if I buy it? Sure, go ahead. 
If you like it that much, it's yours. The woman says, oh, by the way, I also stopped by the Mercedes dealership and saw the new models. I saw one I really like. The man says, well, how much is that? $200,000. Okay, but for that price, I want it with all the options. <clears throat> the woman says, great. Oh, and one more thing. The house we wanted last year is back on the market, and they're only asking $2 million for it. Well, go ahead, but offer them $1.5. They'll probably take it. Woman says, okay. Thank you so much, sweetheart. I love you so much. I'll see you at the house. The man says, bye, I love you too. The man hangs up. The other men in the locker room are looking at him in astonishment, mouths wide open. Then he smiles and asks, anyone know whose phone this is? <laughs> I love that joke. It's so funny to me. <laughs> oh. Today we're going to talk about what thankful worship looks like. But before we get into that, we have to understand something real quick. That you and I were created to worship. Who agrees with that? You and I were created to worship. See, because everybody worships something. Atheists worship their own idea of who God isn't. They worship their own, they worship their own, um, um, they worship their own intellect. Okay? Agnostic people worship the idea that we don't know if there's God or not. Right? <clears throat> Charismatics. We, we, all, we all worship something. Right? Right now, we're seven and one. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? You have nothing to celebrate, Packer fans. I'm just saying that I'm just so happy right now that we are in this place. Because it doesn't happen. It comes around like once every hundred years. All the, it's, it must be the blood moons. But we all worship something. Okay? All of us are created to worship. And the key word there is you're created. You're created to worship. See, if we don't really truly believe that we honestly are really created with everything that God has in store for us, then we'll never truly find that place of worship that God just enjoys and loves. We have to understand and believe that we are created. You are formed, excuse me, you are formed in your mother's womb. To do what? You're created in the atmosphere of heaven with crafted hands to do good work that is preparing in advance for you to do. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Turn in your Bibles there real quick. I want you to read it for yourself so you don't think I'm lying. And I'm, ready, I'm reading out of the NASB version. Okay, Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Everyone hear that? Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. And it says this. For we, oh, let me get there for sure. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Kristen, don't you have a digital Bible? Okay. It's your precious moments Bible, isn't it? All right. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is what it says. For we are his workmanship. Someone say workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works for which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Let me read that one more time. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, some versions say to do good works, for good works which God prepared. He's already prepared the good works already when you were prepared before creation was even here. You are in God's mind to do exactly what it is that you're doing right now in your life. And let me tell you, if you've gotten off track, now's the time to repent and come back to Jesus. Stop living for your own good works. Start living for his good work. See, this word workmanship 
is translated, that word workmanship, the Greek word for that is poema. It's where we derive our word poem. You are God's poem. How awesome is that? You are God's poem. You are his poema. You are, you, are, you are God's, listen to this, this is what it means. You are God's hand at work. You are God's hand at work. You were created carefully and strategically placed to give him praise fully and to also destroy the works of the devil. Amen. See, this revival, this next phase, this next shift, this next turning of the tide will be less about us just feeling God's presence, although we're gonna feel God's presence. It'll be more than just a refreshing and revival where he pours down and the people of God get refreshed, although that's gonna happen. No, this next revival is God is positioning the church to destroy the works of the devil. You are now gonna be on the offensive side of the ball rather than the defensive side of the ball. And if you're not ready to be on the offensive side of the ball, it's time to get into your prayer closet, get to know who God is, get to know for yourself who God has called you to be, and begin to destroy the works of the enemy. But if you plan on destroying the works of the enemy, then you got to stop living like the enemy. Whoo, baby, baby. We have to stop living like him. Listen, a little sin doesn't, <laughs> you know, a lot of people go, eh, just a little bit. It's not going to hurt. No, either you are or you're not. It's called the separation of sheep and goats. Are we ready to see this happen in our country and in our lifetime? Because guess what, guys? It's happening. Either you are or you're not. Amen. Everyone worships something, like I said. They worship intellect. They worship money. They worship their own opinions. And the number one reason why we should be engaged, you and I, why we should be engaged, we should be supernatural worshipers. The reason why, the number one reason why is because we always become like the one we worship. We always become like the one we worship. I don't know about you, but I want to worship Jesus. Amen. Why do I want to worship Jesus? Yes, for his goodness. Yes, for what he's done. Yes, for who he is. But I want to worship him because I want to be like him. Because I want to be like him. And it doesn't matter how young you are in your faith or how mature you are in your faith. There's always room for Jesus. It just matters and it depends on the space that you make for him in your life. It just means that we might have to get rid of some of the ways and thoughts that we used to think and allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives. Amen? We always become like the one we worship. If that can be the driving force for why we do what we do, why me, Kim, Sherry, the worship team are up here dancing like fools, right? If we can only get to that place, none of, none of what we look like will ever matter because we only want to be like Jesus. None of it will matter. Look, I'm calling this church to radical worship. I'm talking radical worship. Worship that makes us uncomfortable. <laughs> worship that attracts the presence of God. Worship that pleases him. What is that? When you worship him in spirit 
and in truth, according to John. Because he's calling, he, matter, matter of fact, in John it says this, that he's going around looking right now for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. What are you gonna do? What are we gonna do? What am I gonna do? Church, it's time to get turned up. You might not know what that means. <laughs> All of us Midwest Wisconsinites. It's time to get turned. Like we gotta, we gotta get that thing. If you have a number 10, go to 11. If you got a five, go to six. If you got a three, go to four. Whatever it takes for us to break out of the mold and break out of our own comfort zone to worship Jesus. I Listen, this might be the wrong thing to say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I want people to be jealous of the way that I worship. I know we're not supposed to be jealous, right? I get that. But I want people to go, man, I want to go absolutely surrendered. That's what it's called, surrendered worship. I'm getting ahead of myself. Thanksgiving. Three things that being thankful does, of having Thanksgiving in our heart does. Number one, Thanksgiving develops trust and solidifies trust in Jesus. Amen? When we are thankful and offer a praise of Thanksgiving, we are saying to God, I trust who you are, and I trust all that you are doing. I trust who you are, and I trust all that you are doing. That's what being thankful does. It, 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 having a thankful heart develops that trust in Jesus. Psalms chapter 95, verse 2. Psalms chapter 95, verse 2. I'll, I'll wait for you to turn your Bibles there. Psalms chapter 95, verse 2. You may be thinking to yourself, why don't you have the scriptures on the back screen? I think it's really important that we learn what the scripture says. Amen? I think it's really important that you read for yourself what this says. Psalms 95, verse 2. Say, uh-huh, when you're there. That's good enough. Psalms 95, verse 2. It says, let's come before his presence with a song of what? Thanksgiving. Of thanksgiving. Let's come before his presence with a song of thanksgiving. Let's shout what? Oh, so not quiet, right? Does it say that? Now, let me just talk to the, to the introverts here in the house today. Okay, let me just say. For us extroverts, it's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's not hard for us to be joyful, okay? It's not hard for us to be exuberant with our praise, okay? But for the introverts in the house, God created you, okay? He made you that way, but that does not give us an excuse not to be joyful. It doesn't give us an excuse not to have joyful praise as much as it does for the extrovert not to have quiet praise. Bless you. Right? When this is joyful, it's not talking about, it's not talking about, well, you know, praise God. No, it's talking about everything that's within you. Give thanks to the Lord. Let every breath, let your soul be the one that cries out to the Lord in thanks. That's what it means to be joyful in the presence of God. Joyful to him in songs. Oh, and also joyful with our instruments. <laughs> I don't know. Look, if you came from this background, I bless you. But I don't know why people wouldn't want drums in church. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right? Says the drummer. 
We got to be joyful in our instruments. And you know what your instrument is? Your instrument is your voice. Your instrument is your hands. Your instrument is your mind. Your instrument is your, is, is, is your, is, is your, is your very fiber of your being. Be joyful with the instrument of who you are, of who you are. Psalms 95, 2, let's come before his presence with the song of thanksgiving. Let's shout joyfully to him in songs with instruments. Trust and thanksgiving go hand in hand. The more you trust, the more you are thankful. And the more you are thankful, the more you grow in confidence in Christ to take care of all the things in your life. It goes hand in hand. So if there's some things that you don't understand, hear me out. If, there are things, if there's some things going on in your life right now that you quite don't have a handle on and you really don't understand why these things are going on in your life, whether that be sickness, whether that be uh, financial issues, whether that be your son or your daughter, your, grand, your, your granddaughter, your grandson, whatever the case is, if there's some things going on in your life right now that you don't quite understand, by faith, thank God. Thank God for who he is. Thank him right in the middle of your mess, right in the middle of the business going on in your life, because we can always find something to be thankful for. And we got to think on these things. Listen, this is the next wave. Okay. It's already been done. If we can just all agree that God is good and he's in a good mood. Go to him, go to God, be thankful for something, anything, and see your trust in him. And see that if your trust in him doesn't begin to grow and you'll begin to see God's hand at work in your situation. Because most of the time, God is already working in your situation. We just don't see him working in our situation because we're too focused on what he's not doing, not on what he is doing. And the opposite is true. The devil considers all misplaced trust as devil worship for he hides himself in the shadows. The enemy prowls like a roaring lion, roaring lion, if you've ever studied lions, the prowling is usually done at night, right? Lions are nocturnal beings. So when we have misplaced trust, the enemy, your adversary, will attach himself to that and we begin to worry and our anxiety becomes false faith. Fear becomes false faith. See, worry, hear me out, worry is not faith. I have faith, I think about it all the time. No. We have to change our mind on that. Worry is not faith. Just because we sit and worry about a situation doesn't mean we have faith. That's for a whole nother sermon. But that's why when we lack trust in God, in any situation that we're dealing with right now, we have to find a way to find something to be thankful for, whatever that is. Find something to be thankful for. Be thankful for who he is, what he's currently doing in your life. So that way we can kick the enemy out of the shadows of our life Right, because he's out there lurking around trying to attach himself to your life. And the only thing the devil is out for is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. He will find a way to kill. He will find a way to destroy. And he'll find a way to steal and to rob you of your joy. But if I don't have anxiety, if I don't allow anxiety or worry or fear to come into my life, then the enemy has no right to be in my life. And if he starts to creep in, guess what? I have the authority to say, see ya. Number two, Thanksgiving breeds an atmosphere for the miraculous to happen when we are thankful. God doesn't like to be around negative Nellies. 
In other words, we do not attract the presence of God when we're negative. Negativity kills whatever God wants to do. And when he's not welcome, hear me out, when he's not welcome in our space and in our room, he won't be here. He won't come. And if he's not here, then miracles can't happen. Miracles won't happen if God's not here. We can try to make it, we can try to conjure it up. We can try whatever we want to do. But it comes down to the issue of the heart because everything to God is an issue of the heart. Everything to God is an issue of the heart. There's a story in Mark. Let's turn there, Mark chapter six. I'll paraphrase and then I'm gonna read something. I'm gonna read something. I'm gonna read out of Mark chapter six, verses four through six. So Jesus is going to back to his hometown. Everybody with me? He's going back to his hometown. Probably thinking to himself, man, it's gonna be sweet to see all my friends and people I grew up with. It's gonna be pretty awesome. Mark chapter six, verses four through six. It's gonna be awesome going back. Man, they're gonna, he's probably thinking to himself, man, revival is gonna break out big time because they all know me. It's gonna be so great. They see all the things we've been doing. It's been really, really cool. It's been awesome. They're gonna welcome me with open, and then the whole town is gonna say, he's probably had this like vision, this expectation going in, right? Mark chapter six, verses four through six, and this is where we pick it up. Verse four, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and his own household. And he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. I mean, I'd be okay with a little bit of that right now. You know what I mean? Verse five, and he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And I love this verse. And he wondered, another translation say, he was amazed at their unbelief. At his unbelief, at their unbelief. See, Jesus could only do little miracles because he was not honored in his home. He was not honored in the place of which he was there before. So here's some quick things that dishonor the presence of Jesus. Number one, familiarity. Familiarity dishonors the presence of God. When we become so familiar with God and his presence that we dismiss everything that he's doing and we start focusing on us rather than him. Familiarity can kill the presence of Jesus. Being unthankful for him and what he's done. I call it the yeah, but syndrome. God does something in your life and you go, yeah, but... Come on, who's ever done that before? Right, you yeah, but, yeah, but this thing, or God, just, God, God works out a situation in your life, right? And we go, yeah, but, like, for instance, my kidney transplant over 14 years ago, I had every opportunity, which I did take this opportunity at sometimes. I had the best of the best pray for me. The ones that are filled with the most faith pray for me and nothing happened. Right? The miracle happened when my best friend donated his kidney to me, and then I had a transplant, and we only had one antibody, which is pretty much unheard of. Right? And I went, I mean, that's, that's a great God, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but why didn't you heal me the way that I thought you were going to do it? Why didn't you bring down lightning from heaven and send Michael the archangel to come and do surgery on me? Yeah, but, see, being unthankful 
for what he's already done in your life could dishonor the presence of God moving forward in your life. That's why it's so important to get the yeah buts out of your life and be thankful for what he's already doing in your life. Amen? Let me tell you something. I am thankful for you, and I am thankful for this church. I am thankful that you are radical worshipers. I am thankful that God is moving in your life. I am thankful, even though sometimes we may not see it, I want you to know, by faith, I see it because I believe breakthrough is coming. The other thing that dishonors God is a lack of awe and passion. A desire simply to be around him. Dishonors him. You see, the only true worship is extreme worship. I'm going somewhere with this. The only true worship is extreme worship. And only extreme worship brings extreme results. Only extreme worship brings transformation. So what does the word extreme mean? I looked in the dictionary. I saw what it means. But I'm going to tell you what I think it means in the context of worship. Extreme worship means connected worship and engaged worship. If you're simply going through the motions, you're not going to see transformation in your life. I don't think you just heard what I said. If you're simply just doing it because it's a part of the service thing, you're not going to see transformation in your life. But when you are connected and when you are engaged, when the purpose of your worship is to lift up the name of Jesus and to see him higher above every other thing, you, when you are connected to what's happening, you will begin to see God move into your life. Why? Because thankfulness breeds an atmosphere for the miraculous to take place over your life. When we're thankful, when we're connected, when we're engaged, when we say yes and amen, when your heart is connected to the very being who's giving you everything that you need for life and godliness, when we are connected to that, God then begins to breathe the atmosphere over your life for, for miracles to take place. So it might be a good idea for us to kind of, kind of peel back our heart a little bit. And if we're not seeing miracles in our life, if we're not seeing miracles take place in our life, then we got to find a way to thank God for it, but then investigate our heart to find out if we're really thanking him, if we're really connected, if we're really engaged, or if we're simply going through the motions. Listen, if this place, if Jesus doesn't do something in your heart where you live it out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, then we miss the mark. We missed it. We missed it. Why even be a Christian if God's not transforming us? It's about the transformation of who he wants to do, what he wants to do. I'm not talking about like making mistakes and doing that kind of, I'm talking about the transformation. You were once this way. Now you are this way. And right in the middle is the heart of praise to him. Whew. I love my Minnesota Vikings. I know I'm going back to it. I have to. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything because so far it's worked where I don't like brag because we're winning, okay? But it almost seems like when I say something positive about it, we start losing. So no jinxing. So I'm going to say the Packers are awesome. They're going to win the division. That's what I'm going to say. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> when you're at a football game, Hey, congratulations to Anna High School, right? Being number one seed, going undefeated? Come on, somebody. My son was super jealous because he was on that team last year. And he got to the second round playoffs and they lost to Rice Lake. 
This year, Rice Lake, I mean, they just destroyed Rice Lake. Anyway, moving on. Well, when you're in a, in a game and you're sitting in the stands and it's defense, right? Third quarter or third down hits. What does everyone do? Yeah, they cheer, they yell, right? They try to make as much noise as they can. They're connected and they're engaged, okay? They're connected and they're engaged with what's going on, right? It distracts what the offense is trying to do it inhibits the other team from hearing the play and progressing forward, and it gathers the people, right, for one common goal. That's what happens when you're connected, engaged in the realm of football, all right? And it's the same with worship. When we're extreme worshipers, when we're connected, and when we're engaged, especially when we gather together corporately, when we're connected and engaged, number one, we distract the enemy. We distract the enemy. He can't do what he thinks he wants to do. He can't do it. Why? There's too much noise going on in the camp. <laughs> you are a disruptor when we are connected and engaged. You disrupt the enemy's plans to destroy, kill, and steal. You disrupt those things when you're connected and engaged. We also inhibit the enemy from any type of progression in our lives. And what being connected and engaged really does is we rally the troops the church, the people of God for one common goal, and that is to worship him. That's to worship him. I don't know about you, but I want to be connected and engaged, amen? I want to be an extreme worshiper because I want to have transformation in my life. Who's with me? Who's with me? Kaylin, come on back up. Come on, Kaylin. A form of extreme worship that you can get engaged in right now, if you so choose to, is we're starting a new ministry here. You see him every week. Our, our flaggers, what we're calling our creative arts ministry. With creative arts, we want to do dancing, flagging, painting during our worship services. It's just a type of worship. And so Lauren Moe is in charge of this creative arts ministry. And if you want, yeah, if you want to at least just ask questions on what this is or how can I be a part of it, just go to her. She'll give you all the answers, right? And I'll, and I'll even go as far as to say this. Look, don't allow anything that happens over here on these sides to distract you from the purpose because we're all together for the common goal, okay? There's just too much activity. I understand that. But focus on Jesus and you won't worry about any of that. Last one is this. Thanksgiving brings us into the manifest presence of God and connects us with what he is doing and saying in the midst of our circumstances. That's what Thanksgiving does from our heart. A heart of gratitude and Thanksgiving will always change your perspective. And in my opinion, this is the one that people struggle with the most. We struggle with not allowing ourselves to see what God is doing because we're too focused on what he's not doing. We're focused too much on what he's not doing rather than what he is doing. And if I can encourage you, like I had to, to repent, and repentance simply means the transformation of your mind, to make a 180 right here in your thoughts, okay? If I can encourage you to repent of seeing what he's not doing and turn your attention to what he is doing, I promise you, you'll begin to hear God clearer in your life. You'll begin to feel Jesus even more. 
we'll begin to see the supernatural miracles that God so wants to move into, but he's not going to deliver those to people who are not grateful for his presence. Stop focusing. And I have to tell myself this. Stop focusing on the negative things going on around us and the things that he's not doing. God, I wish you would do this. God, I wish you would do that. God, I wish you would do this. Listen, stop focusing on what he's not doing and focus on what he is doing and be thankful for what he is doing right now. Right now. So many times we treat God like a vending machine. If we don't get it right away, then we kind of lose hope and we kind of lose faith. I'm so thankful that the apostles in the 120 didn't leave on the ninth day because it took 10 days for them to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Well, I guess he's not showing up. It's been nine days. Nope, they stuck it out. Why? Because of the promise. And the promise was, wait, I'm going to send somebody to you. Let's be thankful for what he's doing right now. And if we could just take a moment and look at our lives and find something to be thankful for, ask these questions right now to yourself. Ask yourself, what, is, what has God done in my past? What has he done in your past right now? Has he saved you? Has he redeemed you? Has he set you free from addiction? Has he done those things? And thank God for that. Thank him for that. You may not have anything currently going on with God right now, but let me tell you, you came out of something. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Thank God for being found. You're going to ask this question. What is God doing right now? What is he doing right now in your life? And how did God work out? in that previous situation that you're in. In all things, be thankful. And again, I want to take a moment here just to be thankful for him out loud. Can we do that? Come on, just with your own voice right now. Just be thankful for him. I'm Pastor Steve to come on up. He's going to lead us to the next, next, next part of service as we prepare for worship. Come on, worship team, come on forward. And we're just going to thank God. You can turn the worship lights on, man. Come on, just thank him right now. Come on, thank him right now. Come on, why don't you go ahead and stand right now. Come on, let's just thank him right now. Come on, thank him with your voice. Thank him with your voice out loud.